Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's Mike show and the Bulldog. How many bees is a swarm? Is two a swarm or three? Whatever. How many does it have to be? And I feel like seven. It's Mike Shope. How many, how many times do you have to be stung to have been swarmed? And I was like, dude, I got swarmed. I got stung only once, but I was swarmed. And the bulldog. You insist you were swarmed. There were bees, man, like plural, big, lots of S's. Lots of E's and S's. Bees. <laughs> that, was, that was not bees. fun. Bees. <laughs> right. That was not fun. On WGR. Hey, man, that kind of hurt. Sports Radio 550. Thanks for hanging with us on this Wednesday. I am the Bulldog. Mike Shope is on vacation this week. Sal Capaccio in the co-hosting chair alongside me today. And we are happy to welcome back to the show, back to the station, from the Locked On Bills podcast and the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast, Joe Marino at the Joe Marino on Twitter. Joe, it's Chris and Sal in Buffalo. How you doing, man? Good to talk to you again. Hey guys, I'm doing well. Hope you are, and uh, you know it's good to be back on with you guys. Fun time of the year, right? <laughs> yeah, I, you know I do love this time of year. Uh, team building across the NFL is like one of my favorite parts of what keeps me really dialed into the league and getting to see all the roster transactions that are coming. That's that's really fun, but. What's different from the Bills' perspective is this is no longer the fun time, right? The fun time's actually the season. Now we've got to have hard conversations about how the Bills can uh, can stay one of the best teams in the league. Right, and they are challenged, I don't want to say for the first time in this in this Super Bowl window that they entered when Josh Allen emerged as an MVP caliber quarterback for them in the 2020 season. Uh, certainly every offseason has its challenges, but with the salary cap situation they're in, with the contracts they've got on the books for Allen and Diggs and Von Miller, um, you know, and the free agent list they have of their own, let alone what they need to add to the roster, um, it feels like a, a brand new challenge for Brandon Bean. Yeah, a little bit of a tease for last offseason where it was kind of a preview to some of the challenges that were going to happen this year. And I thought Brandon Bean navigated that pretty well last year with some timely contract extensions that actually freed up some cap space, thinking about a guy like Ed Oliver. There should be some chances to do that this offseason. There's guys like Deion Dawkins and Taron Johnson and Rasul Douglas, guys that they can extend to create some cap space. I think we're all aware of. You know, they can do one swipe in Josh Allen's contract as a base salary restructure to free up $23 million. So definitely have to pull some levers and do some roster gymnastics. But, you know, another list of 20-plus unrestricted free agents. Uh, but Bean does have 10 draft picks, and he did such a good job with, I think, with the bargain bin free agents last year. 
whether it was you know, Leonard Floyd or you know, Connor McGovern was a great acquisition, Taylor Rapp, Trent Shurfield. Now, those weren't overly impact players, but for mm-hmm. less than $2 million a year, they got a lot of snaps out of those guys. And so it'll be a similar task ahead for Bean this time around. Well, if, if you if you want to indulge us, we spent the first hour of the show, Sal and I did, going over the Bills' own free agents. We'll get to the draft uh, as we go here. I mean, we, we are limited on time to an extent here. Uh, but I, I said to me, to, to Sal and to our audience in the first hour, Joe, my, my biggest priority is seeing if I can find a way to keep Daquan Jones uh, on this team. Uh, of their free agents, uh, would you agree with that, or do you have someone else in mind that, that you feel like might be more important for them to try to hang on to? No, I'd agree with you. I think if there's one uh, that you'd want to bring back, it's Daquan Jones. And that's a little bit challenging because he's an older player, and you feel like on one hand you'd love to see this team prioritize getting younger and cheaper, but Daquan Jones feels like the right type of veteran to bring back, just given the dynamics of the defensive line, but the defense in general, there's just going to be so much turnover. We already know with the coaching staff, literally Joe Dana is the only coach on the defensive staff that's back in the same role that they were last year. So you have so much turnover there. Uh, in addition to, you know, expecting some, some personnel turnover, and you'd like to have some of that D line back. And right now your only defensive tackle under contract for next year that was also on the team the previous year was Ed Oliver. Then, of course, Elianku won a futures deal, but they got to fill out that rotation with a, a lot of vacated snaps potentially. And Daquan Jones is a veteran who's, uh, you know, from uh, from the area. You feel like he'd love to finish out his career there. And you know, he was on such a great pace to start the year. It was very unfortunate to see him go down with that pec injury. And I thought he came back and looked really solid. You maybe hope for more against Kansas City in the – playoff elimination game but if there is a, a a free agent that i would prioritize getting back to me it is daquan jones and the difference joe between jones and the rest of the group as you say you have to replenish the other guys are kind of guys you can find if it's not that guy it's probably a reasonable facsimile of that guy right if that makes sense if you don't bring back shaq lawson at defensive end you're probably getting a guy like shaq lawson at a veteran minimum if you don't bring back jordan phillips it's a guy like jordan phillips at a veteran minimum. You can fill those guys out. <clears throat> it's a little trickier with a guy like Daquan, who is putting up good numbers and can penetrate. You can do those things. So I think it's important to have that one extra guy because the rest of them are just guys who kind of have filled that same role, whether it's Mario Addison and, you know, Quentin Jefferson or anybody else they've kind of mm-hmm. had in that role. They seem to find those guys. Yeah, and I think the impact from Daquan Jones is, is greater than a lot of those players that you just mentioned. And one of my favorite parts of watching the 2023 Bills was seeing the evolution of Oliver and Jones playing off of each other. And you could just tell there was some natural chemistry there as they try to execute some twists and stunts and play off of each other. And then, of course, there's the dynamics of, you know, stable one-tech play and how that's been helpful for the Bills linebackers, whether it was, you know, Daquan Jones coming in last year and seeing how that was a benefit to Tremaine Edmonds, who clearly had his best season uh, his last year with the Bills, or, of course, Terrell Bernard this year and, and what he showed as a playmaker. And then just generally speaking, uh, the Bills, I, for as good as and dynamic as Milano and Bernard are, they're smaller linebackers. And so I think having those players up front that's going to do their 111th, if you will, maintain their run fits and you know keep that second level operating and able to run and chase to the football with as little amounts of contact that they have to deal with as possible is really, really important. And, you know, the Bills aren't a team that goes out and gets these big 350-pound, can't-move space eaters, right? They want one-techs that have some athleticism that can 
you know, obviously take on contact and keep the second level free, but have that penetration skill as well. And, you know, Daquan Jones is such a nice fit for that. And I'm not sure he'd be an easy guy to replace, especially, you know, calling upon someone to come in right away and play that many snaps alongside Ed Oliver. That's a big part of why I would prioritize him. I mean, it all depends on what his market is and certainly what he wants to do uh, plays a part in this too. But Joe, like, you know, they're so at a loss for guys on the defensive line going into this offseason. And the draft, of course, is a place to, to try to address that too. And I'm, I'm pretty hot and bothered. I, I'm, I'm with the morning guys on the wide receiver train uh, idea here. I was last year and I definitely am this year. And so for me, Jones, I, I know they'll have to find these other guys like Sal's alluding to, right? Someone like Jordan Phillips or Tim Settle. And maybe, you know, you can do that later on in free agency once the smoke kind of clears. I feel like getting Jones back gets your, your number one at his spot back next at Oliver and maybe decreases the urgency to invest a day one or day two pick in defensive tackle. Yeah, well, and that doesn't quite take care of the concerns at defensive end. But if you do no, right. go ahead and bring back Daquan Jones and you have him to go with Ed Oliver, I think you are in a position where that's much more of a relaxed need going into the, the early portions of the draft where you probably still want to get some cost control talent in the mix at some point at defensive tackle on a rookie deal. But, yeah, Jones and Oliver back really – like we just mentioned there, kind of takes the pressure off there, and you can kind of focus in on, all right, what's happening at wide receiver? Is there a player that fits at 28, or is there a defensive end that uh, can fit the bill? Because that's a problem, too, where it's just uh, Rousseau, Von Miller, Kingsley, Jonathan, you're, you're returning players under contract, and Leonard Floyd and uh, A.J. Epinesa both you know, set mm-hmm. to test the waters here. So you're going to need bodies that can play, and that's either going to come in the form of new contracts for players that were there, or you got to find some new players altogether. All right, Joe, before we get to the draft and some of those new players you talk about, which I'm excited to hear some of your breakdowns of these guys and how they fit. Real quick, also on the free agency side, I told Bulldog, first of all, I want you to know, Joe, you are talking to the uh, leader of the Cam Lewis fan club in the Buffalo media here, okay? I, I love this. I love Cam Lewis for what he does. I just think he's versatile. He's He's been in this league six years, undrafted free agent, local guy, UB, obviously. And just he's the backup nickel corner. He fills in at safety. He's going to be a free agent. And it's a very, very questionable safety position with Hyde and Poyer in them. And then there's Dane Jackson, who I think has been here four years or whatever it is now. And, you know, I think three, four years. He, he does a lot of things that kind of stabilize you when you have other positions. So how important would those guys be to try to keep as well for you? Yeah, I, I definitely see those guys as important and potentially not very expensive players to bring That's back. That's right. That's the good news, you know, right? The, exactly. Well, and the, and the Bills' corner depth has just been stressed tremendously over the last three years, and they're in pretty good shape. I mean, if you look at it and say Rasul Douglas and Christian Benford, that's a really good pair, and then Kyer Elam as the second youngest player on the roster. I know that's crazy going into year three, but he's the second youngest player, just about six weeks younger than uh, – or excuse me, six weeks older than Dorian Williams to be, to be the youngest player on the roster. Um, but Trey White, obviously a big question mark and what, what he's going to be able to, to give this team next season. And you know, it's just, it's a situation where you'd love to have as much depth as possible in, in that secondary. And, you know, the guy, Cam Lewis is such a great name to invoke. And I've talked about him a ton on locked on bills recently as a player that whether you like it or not, we should probably realistically be thinking about him being, one of the candidates to start to compete for a yep. starting job at safety. And 
I, I feel like there's a lot of resistance that those comments are met with from fans. I certainly feel that in my uh, my mentions on Twitter and in my my YouTube comments. But um, you know, this is a player that's been around. I mean, he's been on the team for four years, and he's a guy that reminds me in some ways of Quentin Michael uh, back with the Philadelphia Eagles, who didn't start a game for like his first four seasons uh, in the NFL, and then Sean McDermott comes that becomes that. DC in 2009 and the next thing you know Quentin McKell is like a Pro Bowl uh, safety for a bunch of years there's such a good resume of of Sean McDermott and developing safeties whether it is Quentin McKell or Mike Mitchell uh, or Micah Hyden Jordan Poyer and what he was able to get out of those guys and so like no matter who stepped in at safety along the way for Sean McDermott throughout his career there's been production and so I recognize the need at safety but I don't necessarily look at safety as a position where there's a premium investment necessary to fix that, whether that's a first-round pick or a high-dollar player from outside the organization. I think you could probably look at bringing guys back, like you mentioned there in, in a Cam Lewis, yeah, Taylor Rapp as well, and have a couple of potential sub-$2 million-a-year players that can give you that answer. And then, of course, if Jordan Boyer's uh, retained this coming season, you feel like you have some stability there. So definitely some needs there, but it doesn't feel overly daunting for me to fill them in the secondary. Joe Marino, host of Locked On Bills and the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast on the Western Hotline with us here on WGR. So let's let's get to the draft here. You you mentioned Edge there, and rightly so, because I I made the point about Daquan Jones, but they, they you know, and that would fill a need at tackle if they could retain him. Um, I feel like AJ Epinesa may price himself out of Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, we'll see about that. I feel like Sal and I talked about him already in the first hour of our show today. You know, young player, ascending player. I think you could definitely be drawn to his skill set. But how about edge players in the draft? I feel like most of our draft a- analysis we've 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 done on the show has been, if it's not all about receivers, it's been at defensive tackle. Um, how about edge at twenty eight? I mean, sur- surely it's a need. Um, given what you just ran down there, what what they've got under contract here, and Von Miller's injury history on top of that, um, how, how about Edge in this draft, Joe? Yeah, I think there's some some candidates if the Bills were to target one towards the end of the first round. I think some of the premier names like Dallas Turner out of Alabama or Jared Verse from Florida State. I don't know that they would be real candidates to be in play, um, but I think when you start talking about a guy like Leitu Latu out of UCLA, I think his upside is really really exciting the, the concern there is he was medically retired at one point uh, but has come back and had two very good seasons for UCLA and I think his play style really reminds me a lot of like Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan just relentless football player with seemingly unending pass rush moves and so if they were comfortable with the medicals I'd love late to uh, late in the first round chop Robinson out of Penn State if they wanted to go with an explosive type player I think that's probably the appropriate range for a guy like that. Um, you think about uh, the, the Adisa Isaac out of Penn State. He's a player that seemed to be getting some momentum here. So there, there's definitely going to be some candidates there. Darius Robinson's a name I can see the Bills liking. Uh, they've they've kind of gravitated towards those compression-style ends in the past. Guy with inside-outside versatility. He's been a hot name uh, since having a good senior year at Missouri and then a really good senior bowl as well. You know, I think those are kind of the names. If you're thinking defensive end, those are the the names that pop to me as the, the likely contenders. I'll let Bulldog open up and, uh, and and ask you about wide receivers and have that pleasure because we can talk all day about them, I'm sure. But let me stay with safety real quick. If they do decide to 
replenish that position in the draft, what would be the more prudent way to go? Higher, wait around, what's that class look like? Yeah, I would not be advocating for a safety in the first round. Um, but I think as you get into day two and maybe even early day three, there's going to be some players. Tyler Newbin from Minnesota, Cam Kitchens from Miami, who obviously uh, Bill's new cornerback coach, Jamila Dyes, had a front row seat to him, in addition to Javon Bullard, uh, who was part of that secondary at Georgia where uh, Jamila Dye was part of that coaching staff. I think that's a rock-solid day two pick. Uh, Cole Bishop out of Utah. I think those are kind of the names that Kalen Bullock, even a USC. I think there's four or five guys that, to me, look like starters. And so if the Bills wanted to use an earlier pick on one, I think they'll be satisfied with their options that exist. And, you know, obviously some good intel there from uh, one of the newest coaches that they brought on staff. I wonder if maybe safety is, isn't in danger of becoming the running back of the defense as far as like the draft goes and prioritizing, um, you know, draft value, hot, you know, top assets for second round picks. Um, I, I want I feel like linebacker maybe was, was in the same boat. Um, but then we had a first rounder last year in Campbell, um, go, go to Detroit. I, I wonder about that. Like, is that, is that, do you think that's become a thing in the NFL, Joe? To an extent, I think I still think you're seeing some of the premier young names still still finding some real money out there. Like guys, Antoine Winfield's going to get 18 plus a season, I would think, right, uh, right now in free agency. And he saw a Buddha Baker was able to to get recently. So I think there's some money out there for the impact guys. But I feel like safety every year, whether it's in the draft and, and finding mid round guys like Brian Cook with the Chiefs is a great example of a mid round pick that winds up being a, a, a quality starter for a team, but. Every year it feels like as we get close to camp, there's like this list of five, six veterans that have been traditionally good starters in the NFL that's just looking for an opportunity. I mean, even Taylor Rapp, after four years of basically starting for the Rams, you know, one year, $1.7 million was what was the, what he took to come to Buffalo. I feel like there's just so many value plays at safeties where yeah. it's not that it's not an important position on the field. It's just that it's not hard to find the, the, the players to go out and execute especially you're seeing more and more of these quarters coverages, too high safety shells. It's just, hey, play it deep half and keep it in front of you. You know, so like, are you really going to invest that much in it? I think that's where the disconnect is. I I think it's important, but I don't think you have to invest a lot to get an answer. Almost all of the analysis that I've seen so far on the receiver class has the, the top three guys, no question, first round guys, maybe even all three of them top 10 guys. You can tell us if you agree with that. And how many more do you think end up being first-round picks after those three? Yeah, so the top three neighbors – well, Harrison, excuse me. Harrison, to me, is clearly the first receiver. Uh, oh, Marvin Harrison, Jr. Malik Neighbors out of LSU. Roma Dunze are, to me, your top three. But I, I honestly look at all three of them, and, and I think that um, they're kind of in their own tiers. Like, I think mm-hmm. Harrison's not the best player in the draft. It's not particularly close to me. And then I think there's a, a drop-off to neighbors who I love. And then a Dunze, he's interesting because I think he's just such a crafty player. He's, he reminds me a lot of Keenan Allen, where you watch him, you're not sure if he's really moving that fast, but he just get, kind of gets this late separation. Everything looks easy and natural for him. He's just a really smooth, smooth football player. So I think those, those three are probably going to go in the top ten. I, I, mm-hmm. I would guess they all do. And then it's like, all right, now you open up the, the, to the field, and that's where it gets interesting. And I think there's a bunch of guys, whether it's Brian Thomas uh, Jr. out of LSU, 
Troy Franklin from Oregon. There's some love for Adonai Mitchell out of Texas. Lad McConkie from Georgia. Keon Coleman's a name that I'm not overly high on, but you see him as kind of in this next tier. And it's mm-hmm. just there's just a bunch of names. And then even further down, you feel like there's guys that are going to go on day two and there's going to be some impact there. And so I think the Bills are going to be in a good spot to add a receiver. I think they need to figure out what type they're looking for to me I would I would be looking for a space creator whether that's a a player that can create space as a route runner a guy that can create space for themselves with the ball in their hands or a guy that has that vertical ability uh to stretch the field and create space for everyone underneath right the Bills have this this host of very good underneath separators and digs and secure and Kincaid you feel like if you get a true field stretcher that's going to open up even more for those guys and so that's the type of skill set that I feel like they should be targeting and um, I, I feel like they're going to have some options here, uh, whether that's at 28 or if they if they do want to wait until that second round pick. I still think there's going to be some options available. How, how, how much, Sal? I'm sorry to be like dominating this, but I, I I'm wondering, how, would you make a case that they should draft two receivers, maybe even two receivers in the the top four rounds? I don't know if I would say the top four rounds, but if if, if Brandon Bean's going to use ten picks, okay. There's my first qualifier. If he's going to pick 10 players or even even eight, you know, as, as low as eight, I, I think there's a case to be made for two of them to be wide receivers. I think part of that's going to depend on the decision with Deontay Hardy and, and that contract and if the Bills are going to uh, take some of the flexibility that exists there to either, you know, approach him about a pay cut or just release him. Yeah, I think you have to examine that situation. I, I think we're mostly expecting Gabe Davis to, to play play somewhere else. So, um, those decisions obviously play into it, but I think a double dip at wide receiver and, and I mean, really a triple dip maybe on the defensive line uh, <laughs> could be a good way for Brandon Bean to utilize these 10 draft picks. All right. What did we forget? Anything we forgot here? Where do we find all your stuff, Joe? <laughs> well, can, I, can I just jump in and oh. ask you a question real quick and, and say something real quick? I'm sorry. Please go so ahead. Joe, uh, yeah, so um, you, you mentioned like the style. I think we know what style they want based on Brandon Bean's comments, right? End of season press conference, he said, we need to create more explosive plays. That's what he said. And so I'm looking at it from that prism, which is, okay, they're not going to get the big, long catch radius guy. They're going to get a guy, who, an explosive guy. And I said to Bulldog earlier, little clue, they signed K.J. Hamler right after the season was over to a futures contract. They're trying to see if there's something left there that they can work with. I think that's the kind of player they're going to look for. So who can we eliminate then? Like, like if you're looking at the top yeah. of the your top ten guys, say, you know what, that that's a really nice player, but wouldn't fit that bill for what the Bills are looking for. Yeah, I think Keon Coleman. Like when you started talking their cell, the sirens went off. Keon Coleman is just not that, right? He's the big-bodied, right. physical possession receiver. Like if you want a guy to go win jump balls, I don't know, Sally's not that good at it. He's he's only thirty-six percent converted contested catch rate. So I don't, I just don't see it with him. I think he's. He's very much this Laquan Treadwell and the Keel Harry type receiver that I just right. fail all the time. Um, and so he's, he's just not for me. Mm-hmm. He's not the style of receiver that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I look, even looking at Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft that he just put out yesterday, Keon Coleman, not in the first round. I think, I think as, as the, the advanced metrics that people are getting in the tape with Keon Coleman, you, you, you stop falling in love with, you know, highlight real contested catches on Saturdays watching Florida State, you watch the full body of work, you realize 
that there's some limitations here that don't really mesh up with what I think the Bills need a receiver. Yeah, his highlight reel sucked me in hard. And then once I started reading and hearing this analysis mm-hmm. of him, I'm like, okay, I, I want to, I, I, please, I want to distance myself from him being my guy because it does not sound like a fit. Like, I, I need a guy that can get on the field right away and help. And I feel like he might have a really high ceiling eventually, but there's, it just doesn't seem well-rounded from what everyone is saying. Well, and I think you've seen Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott go on their own journey with receivers. Like, go back to Carolina. It's Devin Funches and Kelvin Benjamin. And then they get to Carolina or to Buffalo, and it's you know, they eventually get Kelvin Benjamin, and it's Andre Holmes, and it's these mm-hmm. towering receivers. And then the next thing you know, it's John Brown and Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders and Stephon Diggs, right? I think they learned that you need guys that can – this is their words, get open and catch the football. Well, getting open, you know, you can't have restrictions as a route runner. You can't have build-up speed. You have right. to be able to stop and start and get in and out of breaks cleanly and be able to change directions and all of that stuff. And that's – Josh Allen, that's the type of receivers that he meshes with, right? I think Josh is a good anticipatory thrower, but I think he's more of a visual player. And having guys that can create that space and not relying on – you know, consistently winning leverage battles at the catch point and vertically separating, like above the rim separating. I just don't feel like that meshes well with Josh Allen, and I think the Bills have learned that. All right, Locked On Bills, Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Where do we find – just where where you find your podcast? Is that is that where we go with the catch-all, Joe? You got it. Wherever you listen to them, <laughs> that's where you can find them. All right, Joe, thanks a lot for this excellent analysis. We appreciate you making the time for us, and I uh, look forward to hearing more from you as we get closer to the draft. All right, my pleasure, guys. Thank you. That is Joe Marino, again, host of Lockdown Bills and one of the hosts of the Lockdown NFL Scouting podcast. Um, excellent job. We'll take a time out here and kind of pour over some of what Joe had to say. I feel like maybe I have been, I don't know, overlooking edge rusher as an idea. They certainly positionally have a need. There's there's not there's not much there on the roster. So we'll get into that and more. You want to chime in, anything you heard from Joe or want to bring up with me and Sal, we welcome your calls at 803-0550. Sal in for Mike. I am the Bulldog. Thanks for listening to WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.